Matthew chapter 13. It's been quite a week, hasn't it? I want to say thank you for joining us this morning for worship. I also want to uh, say welcome to all of those who are joining with us on live stream and who are at home. Uh, we are glad that you are with us uh, online as well. We're continuing our series on parables this morning. And remember, parables are simply short, fictitious stories or illustrations that Jesus shares to drive home a point about life in the kingdom of God. In short, parables are a story with a point. And in our parable today, the parable of the sower, Jesus is going to deal with a problem we still face today. And here's the problem he's going to deal with. There is a difference between hearing and listening. There's a difference between hearing and listening. If you don't believe me, just ask us your spouse, all right? There's a difference between hearing and listening. And this was a problem then, and it's a problem now. One time, President Franklin Roosevelt, um, he often had to endure long lines of people who would come and say hi to him and say, you're doing a great job, thank you, God bless you, Mr. President. And he said, he would always speak to them. He goes, but they never really listened to me. They just would come through and say these things. And so he said, you know, I decided, he goes, I decided to try something different. And on that particular day, he had about 100 people coming through and shaking his hand. And he goes, you know what? Okay, we'll see if people are really listening. And every time that they came and shook his hand, he decided to, to kind of lowly say to them, I murdered my grandma this morning. So they would come by and he would go, I murdered my grandma this morning. And they'd go, God bless you, Mr. President. Keep it up. The next person would come, I murdered my grandma this morning. Oh, you're doing a great job, Mr. President. And the line just kept going all the way until the ambassador from Bolivia came. And he leaned over to the ambassador and he said, I murdered my grandma this morning. And the ambassador replied, I'm sure she had it coming, Mr. President. <laughs> You see, there's a difference between hearing and listening. And that's what Jesus is going to address in our parable. You see, there's a way to hear the word of God, but not really listen to the word of God. In modern terms, there's a way to come to church without getting the message. And that's what the parable of the sower is all about. Let's get a little bit of the setting. A large crowd is gathering around Jesus in Matthew 13. And at this point in Jesus' ministry, he had begun to attract a large crowd. He was proclaiming not just about the kingdom of God, but that the kingdom of God had arrived in him. And so he was drawing this large crowd on this particular day. This large crowd had come. And this crowd was a mixed bag of people. There were committed followers of Jesus, there were those who were just checking him out. There were those who just came with a friend. There were those who were even there who were perhaps his enemies looking for a way to trap him. But there were all these different people around Jesus, and this crowd had come to him. And this crowd had gotten so large that Jesus had to go get into a boat to teach them. And he goes into this boat, and he begins to teach. And as he does, a question comes up. Why doesn't everyone who hears the message that Jesus proclaims believe? Why, if all these crowds are coming, why doesn't everyone believe Jesus? Why do some of them go home? Why do some of them hear but, 
but just go back to their lives like nothing ever happened. And so Jesus is going to share that there are people who hear but never listen to the message of God. And he's going to explain the difference between hearing and listening in the parable of the sower. And before we dive into it, I want to give you four key terms to help us interpret this parable. First, you have to know who the sower is in the parable. It's Jesus and all of those who share his message. Jesus and all of those who share his message. That's who the sower is. Secondly, you need to know who the seed is or what the seed is. It's the word of God. But to sow the word of God, that's going to be the seed. And where is he going to sow it? On the ground or the soil, and that is the human heart. The ground is the human heart. And then we're going to see whether there's fruit or not, and that fruit represents life change. Okay? Those are our terms. They'll be clear as we go along, but they're helpful to understand this parable. Let's dive into Matthew chapter 13. On that day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down while the whole crowd stood on the shore. So get the picture. This crowd's coming in on Jesus. He's getting ready to teach them. But there's so many people that he goes and he gets in a boat to teach all the people on the shore. But notice what he does. He sits down to teach and preach. He makes the whole crowd stand for his entire sermon while he sits down. I thought we would try that. No, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> but that's how Jesus did this. Verse 3. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, Consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground and produced fruit, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times what was sown. Let anyone who has ears listen. Jesus ends this parable by saying, let anyone who has ears listen. He's saying it's possible to physically hear, but not spiritually listen. And some parables are hard to interpret, but this one, Jesus actually interprets for us later on in Matthew 13, in verses 18 through 23. He's going to tell us what this parable means, and he's going to tell us there are four types of ground that the seed hits. In other words, every time that the word is proclaimed, that the word is going to, the seed is going to be sown, it's going to land in hearts. And what kind of hearts is it going to land in? There are four types of responses. So this morning, I want us to think of four people who were there who responded differently. Four people. Person number one, person number two, person number three, and person number four. Four different responses to the Word of God. Let's look at number one. The first response, when the Word falls, is a hard heart. A hard heart. Look at verses 18 and 19. So listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what was sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path. So the picture is of a farmer who comes and he, he sows this seed, 
on the ground and it, the first heart is it hits the ground but it never goes into the ground it just bounces off the ground because the path is so hard that when the seed comes it never gets buried and it just stays on the surface this symbolizes someone with a hard heart that when the word of God comes to them, they hear about Jesus, they hear about his message, they hear about his blood, they hear about his atoning work, but yet it just bounces right off their heart. They go, yeah, that's great, and they just move on. It bounces right off. They reject the word of God because their heart has been hardened. How does someone's heart become that hardened that when they hear the message of the word of God, that it just bounces right off? How does that happen? Well, Romans 1 tells us how someone's heart becomes hard. It tells us that deep down, every person on this planet, whether they are a believer in Jesus or not, deep down they know that there is a God. There's internal and external evidence that there's a God. There's internal evidence because we are made in the image of God. And though we are fallen, though we are sinful, every one of us deep down knows that there is a God. That there's something bigger than us. That we were made for something more. That we have a sense of the divine. Theologians call this the sensus divinitatis. That even though we are fallen, we all still sense God out there. Whether or not we are followers of Jesus, we know internally because we're made in the image of God and we were made for our maker that we sense him that we all have a God-sized hole in our hearts and it can't be denied every person knows that there's a God deep down that's the internal evidence but there's also external evidence that there's a God creation itself testifies that there's a creator the majestic nature of the mountains the beauty of the oceans the peacefulness of the snowfall I don't know about you but sitting and watching the snowfall this week it's amazing as you see the white cover the ground it's just a reminder of the creativity and power of God it is evidence that there is a God out there whether we're looking at the galaxies through a telescope or the intricacies of DNA through a microscope every aspect of creation testifies that there is a God out there. There's internal evidence. We sense there's a God. There's external evidence. It's painted on every bit of creation that there is a God. But Romans 1 tells us that there are people in our world who know that there's a God. They see the evidence, but they keep suppressing that truth in unrighteousness. They, even though they know it, they press it down. Even though they see it, they keep denying it. And every time they do, they press it down further and further and further and what does it do it hardens their hearts that when the word of god comes it bounces right off that's the first person the first person the first heart that jesus describes is someone with a hard heart the second type of ground that he describes is the shallow heart the shallow heart look at verse 20 and the one sown on rocky ground this is the one who hears the word immediately, receives it with joy, but he has no root and it's short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. So think about someone who has an initial response to the gospel. 
they seem to be fruit, but pretty short after, it doesn't last. Think about someone going to a conference, church camp, an evangelistic crusade, a vacation Bible school, and they seemingly respond to the gospel, but there's never life change that comes with it. It's just shallow. I recently read a biography of a pastor named R.C. Sproul. And R.C. tells the story of his conversion. He was going to college in the 1950s in Pittsburgh. He had a roommate named Johnny, and he and Johnny had decided one Friday night they had heard about a bar there in Pittsburgh that would allow freshmen, underage guys, to come in and they could drink. And so they decided, we will go to that bar this Friday night. Well, they got ready to go, they got out into their car, and they realized once they got out to the car, they forgot something essential, cigarettes. And they're like, okay, we got to go back in. And they went back in because in these days, there was a cigarette vending machine. Y'all remember those? And so um, R.C. says he put his coin in and got his cigarettes out of the vending machine and got ready to go to the bar that night when two upperclassmen who were football players said, hey guys, um, would y'all like to hang out with us tonight? And they thought they were pretty cool because they liked football and they, these upperclassmen wanted to spend time with them. What they didn't realize was they were being invited to a Bible study. <laughs> they said, sure. And so they went to the Bible study. And that night, these two upperclassmen led R.C. and Johnny in a prayer to receive Christ. The next day, R.C. woke up with a fire. He had never been to a Bible study before. He had never read the Bible. And from that day on, he would have a fire to learn God's Word, to teach God's Word. And he would become one of the most influential pastors in the 20th century. But what about Johnny? He says by lunch the next day, Johnny almost forgot the whole episode had ever happened. He never got baptized. He never joined a church. And his life never changed. He's an example of the shallow heart. Sometimes when the word of God comes, it, it hits like that. Not just bounces off like the hard heart, but it, it, it hits in this shallow way where there's initial, seems like there's an initial response, but no lasting fruit. And what Jesus is saying is this person is only hearing. They're not really listening to the word of God. That's heart number two. Number three is the crowded heart. Number three is the crowded heart. Look at verse 22. Now the one sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Now, this is the one that begins to get pretty convicting to us. It's the crowded heart, person number three. Two things are crowding out the growth of the fruit in this person's heart. Worries of the world and money, desires for money. They choke it out. These people hear the word of God. They're interested they seem, they want to follow Jesus, but in the end, their hearts are too crowded. I am afraid that one of the main reasons that the word does not transform the lives of more people who sit in churches under the word of God every week is because our hearts are just too crowded. 
These are the people who come to church, they hear the message, they don't disagree with the message, they even think, you know what, I should do what the Word tells me to do, I should do it. But they go home, and they do what all good Baptists do. What do all good Baptists do after church? They go home, and they eat, and what do they do next? Take a nap. (laughs) And they wake up, and they live like Sunday morning never happened. Because the worries of the world are now pressing. It's Sunday afternoon. We've got to get it ready for Monday. We've got all the things of the world pressing in on us. And we never let the word that was supposed to work in us produce fruit. It gets crowded out by Sunday evening. The busyness of our lives can be the enemy of growth in our hearts. I believe that our busyness is actually one of the greatest threats from the word taking root and producing fruit in us. Here's how John Mark Comer, one author, puts it. I think this is really helpful. He says, love, joy, and peace. And who couldn't do with a little more love, joy, and peace in their lives, right? Here's what he says. Are at the heart of all that Jesus is trying to grow in the soil of your life. And all three are incompatible with hurry. One of the things about gardening is that you have to have patience. You have to have patience. You have to slow down. And I'm afraid often our hearts are so crowded, we're overscheduled, we're so concerned with so many things that when we hear the word of God, we move on so quickly. We think, man, that was, that was really good, that was really helpful, and then we just move on in our lives. We intend to obey, but we just never get around to it. So life change never happens. When I was growing up, I lived in a small town, and we had one barber shop. It was on Main Street. It was called Ronnie's Barber Shop. It had one barber, and his name was Ronnie, right? <laughs> Haircuts were $5. I'll never forget going in and went in with my grandfather one day, and um, we were sitting there getting haircuts, and I start tugging on his sleeve. Grandpa, look over here, look over here. And it had a sign, Ronnie had put up a sign that said, free haircuts tomorrow and I said grandpa we came on the wrong day I didn't understand the joke the joke was free haircuts were always tomorrow but tomorrow never came what Jesus is telling us in the third person is they intend to obey tomorrow but tomorrow never comes their hearts are crowded and the fruit that God wants to produce in their lives it never comes because their hearts are so crowded they intend to obey but they just never get around to it that's number three that's the crowded heart so the first three that Jesus shows us the hard heart the shallow heart and the crowded heart are three responses that are just hearing but not truly listening And the fourth, he's going to contrast with those three and say to truly listen, there's going to be fruit in your life. Number four, the fruitful heart. But the one sown on the good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word, who does produce fruit and yields. 
some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty times what was sown. Notice what makes it good ground. They hear, they understand, and they produce fruit. They don't just physically hear, but they spiritually listen. And this spiritual listening leads to understanding. This understanding leads to fruit, which is life change. If you are listening to the word of God, the word of God will be making a difference in your life. These people don't let a sermon or a Bible study go in one ear and out the other. They let the word of God take root in their lives. And fruit springs up everywhere. The word of God begins to impact their marriages, their parenting, their work, their relationships, their finances, their spiritual rhythms of prayer and Bible study. It impacts every choice in their lives. So the fruitful heart listens, understands, and acts upon what it hears. And notice the parable. He says, and different people are going to yield different fruit. Some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. What is Jesus getting at here? He's wanting us not to focus so much on the amount of fruit that's produced, but the presence of fruit. Do you have fruit in your life that's coming? Now, the truth is we all grow at different paces. Every person grows in different paces. The question isn't, how is my fruit in comparison to Jake's? Or how is my fruit in comparison to Tim? That's not how we're supposed to judge. The question is, do I have fruit? Do I have life change? Do you want to know if you're a fruitful heart? Don't compare to others, but look, is there growth in my life? Is there signs of fruit? Is there life change? So I want to give you four practical tips this morning to be a better listener of God's word. To be a better listener of God's word. Four tips. And these tips work whether we're talking about a sermon, a personal Bible reading, a connection group, or in a Bible study that you're doing. Four practical tips. If you want to be someone who doesn't just have the word go in one ear and out the other, here are four things you can do. Number one, ask God to speak to you. Ask God to speak to you. Before you open up God's word in the morning, before you come to church, before you go to connection group, just say a brief one-line prayer, God, speak to me today. I can't tell you how much that will change your experience. Sometimes people think prayers have to be long, drawn-out things with a complicated formula. You can simply pray what's called a breath prayer in one sentence, a few lines, God, speak to me today. One of the things this will remind you is that when we open God's word, we are not merely looking at what people thought about God 2,000 years ago, but we are opening the living word of God that is active in our lives. God is still speaking every time you open his word. And so we're not just talking about what people thought then, but God is actively speaking to us when we open God's word. And when we ask God to speak to us, it reminds us of that fact and makes us open and aware that God doesn't just want us to study something as an academic discipline, but he wants us to hear from him every time we come to church, every time we open his word. So ask God to speak to you. That's number one. Number two, Slow down long enough to listen. 
we have a problem slowing down in our culture, don't we? The constant notifications on the phone, the television, social media scrolling. We have a hard time slowing down. But if we want real, lasting fruit in our lives, it is going to take time. It's going to take the discipline of slowing down our hearts to listen to God. If your Bible reading is um, kind of like, did y'all ever, when y'all were in school, did y'all ever think, um, hey, if I can't make the best on this test, I'm going to at least finish this test first, right? I'm going to win at something. And so some of you, you know, sometimes we can think, I'm just going to, I'm going to blaze this Bible reading. Boy, I can knock this out. But when we open God's word, it's not about how quickly can we get through it. But we must slow down our hearts to truly listen. Ask God to speak to you. Slow down long enough to listen. And thirdly, talk about what you're learning. I believe this is crucial, and a lot of people skip over this. Talk about what you're learning. I believe that when you put what you are learning in God's word on your own lips, when you put it in your own words, it solidifies in your mind and in your heart. This is why I believe connection groups are so important. This is why I believe it's so important to talk with a friend about what you're learning. Because as you put it into your own words, it, it somehow stays in your mind. It doesn't just go in one ear and out the other. So maybe on a phone call this week, at a lunch with a friend, Maybe share what you've been learning in God's word. It'll help make it stick. If you don't have anyone you feel comfortable talking with, write it down in a journal. Talk with God about it. But do write it down or talk with someone about it. Put it in your own words. Talk about what you're learning. And that will help it stick. Fourth, be ready to take action. Be ready to take action. When we encounter God's word, it should lead to life change. We shouldn't come and go, man, isn't that great about God's word? I'm sure that will help somebody else. It should lead to life change. We should ask the question every time we open God's word, what am I to do about what I just read? How am I supposed to live differently? And then we should do it. Because good intentions don't produce fruit. Good intentions don't produce fruit. Here's what I mean. Think about it like this. What if one day I sit, I sit down and Jennifer and I, my wife and I are there at the table and we think, you know what would be great? Having some fresh vegetables. We should, we should plant, we should have a garden. That would be awesome. Let's have a garden. And then we do nothing about it but the next spring, we think there are going to be vegetables in our kitchen. I mean, we were going to. I mean, we wanted to. I mean, we had good intentions about it, but we never did anything to cultivate the soil. We never planted any seed. We didn't actually work on it. We never took action. We thought the good intentions were going to magically make the fruit appear. In the same way, in your own life, fruit doesn't magically appear. You must be ready to take action. When you hear the word of God, be ready to take action on it. Be ready to do something about what the Lord says. 
Don't put off what God is calling you to do. Don't just tell yourself you'll do it tomorrow, because tomorrow may never come. So a parable is a story with a point. Well, what's the point of this story? The point is that there's a way to hear God's word, but not truly listen. There's a way for God's word to go in one ear and out the other. And the point is, Jesus wants us to be people who don't just hear, but listen to his word. So let's go back to our scene. Jesus is in the boat, sitting down. Everyone else is standing, listening to the message. And Jesus, at the end of the parable, is wanting them to ask one question of themselves. What kind of ground am I? How does the word land on me? When the, I hear the word, when I read the word, how is it landing on me? Is it, is it bouncing off my heart like a hard heart? Is it like a shallow heart where it, I kind of say, yeah, and then there's no fruit that ever comes from it? I mean, is it the crowded heart that I intend to do something about it? I kind of rush through it, but I never really act upon it because the worries of the world come in and crowd my life. Or when the word of God comes, do you listen to it? Seek to understand it and let it produce fruit in you. That's the question he wanted the crowd to ask that day. And it's what he wants us to ask of ourselves. What kind of soil am I? How does the word land on me? Because here's what I want each and every one of you to know. God wants you not to be a hearer only, but someone who listens to his word, understands it, and lets it produce life change in you because as he changes you what is he doing through his word he's making you into the person he created you to be so this morning let's make sure that this week as we go through our weeks let's not just hear but let's listen to God because he has incredible things to say to us let's pray together Father, I thank you so much for this parable. As it serves as a warning to all of us, sometimes our hearts can be shallow and crowded and hard. But Father, we pray that you will make us fruitful, that we see life change in us. Father, I'm also thankful in this story that you are so powerful that you can change soil. You can take hearts that were hard and you can make them soft and you can make them ready to grow fruit. So Father, I pray if there are those in this room who have been suppressing the truth and their hearts have become hard, I pray this morning that the word of God will come to them. And for the first time, maybe it doesn't bounce off, but it sinks into their, the soil of their heart and takes root. And Father, I pray for those who have known what they need to be doing for a while and they just haven't been doing it. 
I pray that this morning they will commit to taking the action they need. Father, I pray for the many of us who struggle with having a crowded heart. I pray that you will help us slow down this week. Focus on you. Seek to hear from you. And to truly listen. Father, we want to see life change in us. We want to be the people you created and saved us to be. And Father, we know that doesn't happen through kind of an instantaneous process, but it's over time. and We must cultivate the soil of our heart. So Father, I pray you will help us this week slow down and listen to you. May we not only hear, but truly listen. I pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. This morning, I want you to know the gospel is good news. Jesus Christ came to die for sinners.